0: yeah
1: yeah this is a a great privilege Uh, by the way thank you for having an interest and even being a part of new community church Uh, new community church really is my family it's um, what I look forward to being involved in every week Uh, we had a wonderful time this Friday when we saw the love and the unity of our our church body and we had great time praying together and understanding what the elders are doing about our our space issue you know we're, we're running out of space as it is but anyways uh, one of the main questions that I think played a part in my coming to Christ was getting the answer to this question how is it that people can change uh, because what I was uh, back in the day when Cindy and I were uh, newly married is I was a professional musician and I played with a group that was uh, very, very good in the Chicagoland area. It was well known. Um, it was recognized. Uh, it was a group that um, never quite made it to the ultimate step of being known nationally. and But it was close, close to it. And uh, we, our group would do uh, warm-ups for big name acts back in the day when we, we would go out first you know, in, in the concert, We'd play a few songs, and then the big name acts would come out after us. And so that's what I was doing. And it was really, uh, I was doing what I thought to be the goal of my life, the purpose. I wanted to be that more than anything. And I worked very, very hard at it, practicing all the time. I played both rhythm guitar and bass guitar. The bass guitar was the one that aggravated my dad all the time. He made me practice in the garage. So I was all by myself in the cold Chicago garage. Um, and learning to play better if I could. So in any event, one of the things that happened along the pathway is, you know, the lifestyle of the rock and roll musicians of the late 60s and early 70s was, you know, drug culture, immorality, and I certainly was getting engaged in that. And in one particular time, when we were playing in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, um, we were playing at some fancy nightclub over there then, and um, uh, I had taken a drug Uh, that's called its official name is psilocybin the street name is mushroom Mm. it's a hallucinogenic drug and you know it, it did its thing at first it got me stoned and high and all that stuff but then it started to attack my nervous system where I couldn't breathe and it's scaring the daylights out of me because I'm trying to suck in air and I couldn't get it I actually ran out of the apartment that they gave us to stay in while we were playing and I was laying on the grass trying to breathe in air and in those days you didn't want to go to the hospital because they would know you know that this is drug produced and they would want to know who are the people who gave you the drugs and what are their names and all that and so uh, we always avoided going if we could possibly and so what happened is the guys saw that I couldn't fulfill my obligation because I was just laying there shaking for at least one day (laughs) <laughs> and they decided that uh, we were only 75 miles away from where i lived so they said let's just take them home so they took me home and dropped me off to cindy and there was her husband about <clears throat> 125 pounds long hair shaking like a leaf and hardly breathing <clears throat> and uh, i they dropped me off on the bed they said to cindy we're sorry we're sorry that's all they said <clears throat> and uh, i laid in the bed for three days and then the question came Cindy came to me and she said, you know, our life has to change because we're not going to be able to make it if if it doesn't change. And I agreed with her. But the question is, how do people change? You know, is it just intestinal fortitude? Is it determination? Is it resolve? How do people change so we set out to change this lifestyle? And we thought that spirituality would be about a part of that. And so we went back to the religion we were both raised in which was Roman Catholic Church and we went back but um, it was uh, in those days more of the same Uh, I think it didn't even make the transition transition yet from Latin to English but it was a kind of an old-fashioned service and and we just said well this isn't this isn't working for us and then I was (laughs) I was working with one of the guys in the van he was actually a manager of a different group, and he said to me, listen, I know of a guru who can tell you all about life, the meaning of life and such, and he, and he's on Rush Street. Now, Rush Street was uh, was all the tavern area of Chicago. It still is. You know, it's all the bars and all of that, and a lot of us played on Rush Street lots of time. and um, so I said, okay, because I, if he's going to help, bring about a change, so I went, and I saw this guy, and my friend said, go on and sit in front of him, and the whole house has got candles and sheets and stuff all over, and, <laughs> and uh, so I go and sit in front of him. Now, I know what it means to be stoned. I looked at that guy, and he was stoned. He was out of it, and I thought, I don't know what this, what's he going to do here? So he didn't say anything for a while to me, and then finally he said, uh, watch out for cats, man and I said, "What?" <laughs> he said, "Watch out for cats because cats will look into your eyes and steal your soul." Well, I thought cats looked in his eyes and stole his brain. <laughs> so, I was out of there. I thought, yeah, "Okay, well, thanks, you know." And then I was kind of given up on the spiritual journey thing, you know, thinking, "Well, maybe that that's maybe not necessary for people to change. Maybe that's not a part of it." And so, you know, we We went to, uh, um, we heard a guy in our our condominium that we lived in, that uh, he taught the Bible. His name was Mr. Theodore, and so Cindy saw him one day and was talking to him, and she said, what do you think if we ask him to come, and I said, sure. I said, you know, let's find out what he has to say. And so he came, and uh, he was teaching us stuff that we never heard before, like Jesus is not (coughs) Uh, God. He's uh, the incarnate version of Michael, the archangel, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And so finally we said, well, what's the name of your church? And he said, um, well, we don't really have a church. It's a building called, we call, Kingdom Hall. He was a Jehovah Witness. Now, we didn't even know what a Jehovah Witness is. So we've been, you know, many of you put them off when they are at their door. We were inviting them into our house, and there was things that he didn't, we didn't like. And even though we were not saved, there were things that were, we thought, well, that can't be right. And so I asked them not to, to come uh, anymore. And so then Cindy uh, was going to visit her mom, and uh, fortunately, in God, the outworking of God's providence, there were two ladies from a good, solid, little Baptist church in the Chicagoland area on the south side. And these ladies were going around and, uh, with their p- church program and inviting ladies to a Bible study at their church. That's all they were doing. They were handing out their program and inviting mm-hmm. ladies to a Bible study. And my mother-in-law knew that Cindy and I were going through trouble. Our marriage was in trouble. All of that related to what was going on in our life. So um, she said, wait here. My daughter's coming to visit. So Cindy arrived. And then they talked to Cindy, and Cindy said, yeah, I think I'll go. So she told me that she would go to this Bible study, and I thought, well, that's fine, you know, you do that. I had at this point sort of given up on, you know, I, I don't know what else I can do to, to change. Um, I was uh, suffering a bit of depression because I had attained the goal of my life, and it left me empty. Mm-hmm. I, I achieved what I wanted to achieve, and I was empty. And I, I just, I, I, it was like all of my hopes and dreams were dashed. You know, if you think being a professional musician is just really glorious and wonderful, you, you don't understand all that goes into that, especially in a secular world. So uh, eventually, Cindy's in the Gospel of John with these ladies, studying John. And uh, one particular day, uh, she was really, the Word of God was really affecting her heart. And so she uh, went off. You'd have to know that in the condo we lived in, if you turn the light on the living room, then it went into the kids' room. And the kids were young, you know, very young children in cribs. And so she wanted to go to a place to read, so she goes to the bathroom. And she's reading the Gospel of John. And as she's reading, she's reading the story of the crucifixion. Mm -hmm. And she begins to realize that what these ladies have been telling her are true that Christ truly did die for our sins, and He really was the exclusive Savior of the world. And so she placed her faith in Christ in that night. Now I had arrived home about 4 a.m. from wherever I was playing, and I went to bed, and she comes in the bedroom and shakes me. She said, something wonderful has happened to me in the bathroom, I feel so clean. (laughs) That's what she said. (laughs) And I I said, okay, well, let's talk about it tomorrow. (laughs) Be sure to turn the water off. So, So anyways, what happened is she truly came to know Christ, and her life was transformed. This lady wanted to go to church on Sunday morning. She wanted to go on Sunday night. She wanted to go on Wednesday night. She wanted to go on Thursday morning. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, what is happening to her? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that she's wanting, she's so, she's reading her Bible all the time, she's taking notes, mm-hmm. you know, I'm thinking, what, what's going on here? Uh, so I finally, I, I, I got a little aggravated about it, mm-hmm. and I sat her down and I said, I want to know, do you love God more than you love me? She said, yes. However. Because I love God in the way I do, or I love you in a whole different way. And I said, hey, that's enough. You go get your guru, priest, whatever he is, and you set up a meeting for me because I can poke holes in this stuff. So she did. And he showed up on a Tuesday night. And... Um, just what I thought I mean I back in that day again remember I'm, I'm basically a rock and roll hippie looking guy you know mm-hmm. with the clothing that matched and the hair that matched <laughs> okay. and so um <laughs> you you got to get that <laughs>
0: <laughs> We're, I'm trying to get that visual out yeah
1: there, right? <laughs> most people can't get that visual uh, so um yeah I, I one thing I could tell you before I tell you about the ministers Cindy went to get baptized and I, I didn't understand it because she was baptized as an infant. You know, mm-hmm. that's what I thought. And so uh, she invited me to come, and so I came. And <laughs> I don't know the, I don't know the, the 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 you know proper procedure of Baptist churches and what they do. And you know, I'm just a rock and roll guy, and I walk over there. And so I find this place. I wanted to have a cigarette. Oh. <laughs> so I find this place, and there's these glass. They have like a glass. Uh, from, uh, from ground level to ceiling, uh, this hallway that they walked from the education building into the. So apparently, right, that, that was at the same time that everybody was leaving the education thing and walking. So I'm in the glass smoking and, hi, how are you doing? Know, people are waving at me. <laughs> 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 and I just, that's kind of an unusual thing that would happen. But that was, a, you know, anyways. Remember, I'm lost at this point. So anyways, this guy shows up, and I did what you normally did in those days. I answered the door, and I said, peace, man, mm-hmm. You know, because that's what you did. And he said, one way, there's only one way to have peace. And I never heard that, so he caught my attention right away by that. Yeah. And so he came in, and he and I talked for three and a half hours. And the thing that was most amazing is whenever I asked him a question, he never said, well, this is what my church teaches Mm -hmm. or this is what I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He would turn his Bible around and he said, well, what does it say there? And he blew my mind because every question I asked, he had a biblical reference or two to sufficiently answer the question on my mind. And the one that really blew my mind was Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. You know, for by grace you are saved through faith, not of your own, uh, not of works so that no man can boast. And, uh, you know, coming from a works righteous system of belief, mm-hmm. you know, where you had to receive the sacraments and you had to do this and you had to do that and hope that you would make it out of purgatory and then into heaven. This is startling to me. You know, I said, so I can know that I'm saved? He said, yes, you can. He said, yes, you can. If you will turn in faith, repent of your sins, turn in faith to Christ, you can be saved and know that when this life is over, you will enter into God's kingdom. And that was so amazing. I even teased him as I normally do. I said, there's there's like not even a payment book or something, you know, a Christian payment book. He's laughing. He said, no, Jesus paid it all. He paid it all. And then he said to me, is there any other questions you have? I said, no. He said, is there any reason why you cannot come to know Christ today? And I said, no, I guess not. So he grabs me by the arm, pulls me down on my knees in our living room. And we're both on our knees. He said, I'm gonna pray and for you, but you tell Jesus that you recognize yourself to be a sinner. And that you've repented of your sins and you want to trust in him for your salvation. So I said something like that. I you know, tried to copy it. But the, the key is, folks, and this is... I don't want everyone to think that this is normal about conversion uh, because it's its uh, unique about conversion. There was a instant radical transformation in my life. Instant. Trad- radical. Um, I had this... Unsatiable appetite for God's Word I had to know what it means and know how to apply it to my life and then I had this passionate desire for others to know the same and that was from day one so that's from 1973 till now I stood still there that same transforming passion is in my heart till this day and so one month later I got out of the contract with a musical group because I knew I couldn't stay there anymore. I used to say, our guitars had amplifiers, and for the first time, Sin had amplifiers. I'd never seen Sin as much as I could in that world and in that lifestyle. And so there I am talking to my Jewish manager. His name was Barry Fox. He, was a, he managed a lot of, in some cases, some very popular music groups. And at one time, he was Jerry Lewis's lawyer. But now he was managing groups. And uh, so there I am talking to a Jewish guy, uh, telling him I want to get out of the group because I've come to know Jesus. And he kept on saying, well, can, well can, can't you have Jesus and play bass at the same time? You know, and I said, well, it's not just the playing bass, it's the world, it's the culture, it's the stuff I'm seeing. And I was trying to explain <coughs> it to him. Anyways, he was kind enough to let me go because he could have kept me for another two years. And so, um, so then uh, I got a regular job, major cut in pay. Because I was making a lot of money mm-hmm. from that group in those days, so you know, a lot of money. major cut and pay. Uh, we started attending a church, and uh, after a while, we'd been there. We loved the church. Uh, we walk in as brand new believers, and this guy is beginning the book of Galatians verse by verse. And as former Roman Catholics, he was blowing our mind. Mm-hmm. And um, you always see Cindy and I sitting in the front. That's nothing new. We've been doing that since day one. We always wondered where the heck everyone else was at. Because <laughs> we'd run all the way up to the front, you know, and we'd say, okay, we're ready, you know. And so he loved us, Pastor Bill Johnson, and, and he felt, he would say, you know, I feel like shutting church down when you guys are in the front. <laughs> but uh, we would go to front all the time because we couldn't get enough and we wanted to understand as best as we could. And so uh, while I was there, um, they said that they needed some teachers for high school kids. And I figured I messed up the minds of enough high school kids in the past, so maybe I should do that. And then even as I'm doing it, other people in the church are saying, you're going to teach in the high school? Oh, we pray. let's pray for him now. You know, it was like a death sentence or something. And I didn't understand why, because I, I liked, you know, being with the kids. The kids knew about me. Some of them knew about my background, so there was an attraction a little bit. And so I started teaching them. And uh, I loved it. I thought it was great. I mean, I'm, you know, they're, they taught me how to teach, which was great because I didn't know anything about that. And everything I worked from was from an, a prepared curriculum, so I didn't want to make anything up. I was too frightened that I would say something wrong concerning the Bible, so I always stayed very strict to that curriculum because I, I didn't want to do anything wrong. And then I started teaching a, a, a class in my home, in the condo. Keep that in mind, it's condo. Started with four teenagers. Uh, but then all of a sudden we had 80 teenagers in our condo, down the stairs, under the dining room table, under the kitchen table, in the, and I wasn't doing anything but teaching the Bible. I, play, we, I played guitar with them when we sang, and they sang really well, and we had wonderful time just doing that, singing worship songs. Back in the day, contemporary worship songs were sort of new, you know, um, so we would sing some of those songs and. And it was pretty, pretty cool event. Well, then I got a telephone call from the associate pastor, and he said the elders want to see me. And I thought, oh, no, I must have done something wrong. You know, some parent is, must have complained, or maybe one of my fellow condo owners, owners complained about, I can't get a parking spot every Friday night. Anyways, uh, I go to see these elders. I knew we had elders. <clears throat> I didn't know who they were. And so one of them, or no, um, the, the, the one who was the associate pastor invited me. I went to the meeting and um, they asked me, they said, Have you ever been full time minister?" And I said, Well, I said, I'd love to be in full time ministry, but I have a wife and two children at that time. I, later on, Brandon was born, so we had three. But I said, Two children, I don't have any education in that whatsoever. I said, uh, so I've got a mortgage to pay and a fam- family to feed and I don't, I don't know how I could possibly do that. And they said, well, this is what we'll do, we'll match your current salary and we'll send you to school. Mm-hmm. Whoa. So they paid me to go to school, and, uh, which was amazing to me, mm-hmm. you know, I'd have never heard of a church, I could never have worked out that plan, mm-hmm. you know, that's purely of the Lord. I could have never said to Cindy when I first got saved, hey, listen, here's my plan. We'll start teaching these kids, and I'll try to do the best job I can. We'll attract the elders, and they'll pay me to go to school. <laughs> wow. She would have shook her head and said, no, you're still smoking dope. Over here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so that's what happened. and um, and, and by the way, I had the registrar called me and he said, Mr. Marshall, I just want to talk to you a bit. He said, you know, we at Moody, at Moody Bible Institute, we, we only accept people at the top part of their graduating class. Now, I'm sarcastic, as you know, and I said, well, turn the list upside down. I'll be very close to the top. And he didn't get the joke. There's you know? <laughs> no laughter. And I'm thinking, oh, oh, that flopped. you know. So he says, uh, from the very beginning, we're, we're going to let you enter, Moody because of the uh, references you got from your elders. So we're going to let you enter, but you're going to be on academic probation. And I wanted to say, good, I don't have a major. That sounds like a good one, academic probation. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) 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 But I went in, and and they told me, if you get anything below a C, you're out. And the reason for that is because at Moody, it's the, the people of God throughout the world that pay for your tuition. So they have to be very careful that you're going to be there in serious. Well, I went in and I absolutely loved it. I mean, uh, you know, I loved, I thought this is, this is fantastic. You know, because I I was hungry for the word and that's what they were teaching me and teaching me original language and history of doctrine and systematic theology and all of that stuff. So I I graduated at the top of class because I, I loved it. Then I went on to Trinity. And uh, worked as well and, and uh, worked hard and also got nothing but straight A's. Again, got to keep in mind, I was a horrible high school student. Mm-hmm. The only reason that they moved me out of high school is because I was a part of the baby boom generation. Mm-hmm. This is the truth. And they had no room, mm-hmm. no room to keep you. Mm-hmm. You know, in Chicago, my graduating class was 982 people, mm-hmm. you see. And I, I have no idea why they passed me, you know. But they did. So, so I wasn't a great student. I had two interests in high school: girls and music. Mm-hmm. Don't tell me about Silas Marner and geography. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, I, I don't have any interest in that stuff. I I didn't at that time. Uh, but but I got saved. So, anyways, trying to condense my story here. Um, uh, So I graduated, I started as the youth pastor at Moraine, and I stayed there for seven years. Pastor Bill came to me and he said, you know what, there's kind of like two cooks in the kitchen here, Um, because I would preach every once in a while, and I would do this, and he would preach every once in a while. He said, have you thought about taking a church on your own? I said, I did. So he helped me along with the church, and they got me a church in Pucks Lake, Illinois. I stayed there for about eight years, and and I'm cutting out a lot of stuff. And then i came to st louis here that's when we started this church we started this church in april of 1989 and we had a total of 26 people at that time and um, the purpose of it was to have a church that uh, first and foremost elevated uh, the person of god elevated the person of christ and the holy spirit and that a church that was very very biblical In the formulation of its doctrine and practices and that a church that was dedicated to expository preaching verse-by-verse preaching and that a church that was dedicated to having qualified leaders Uh, a church that was dedicated to making sure that we're reaching out to the lost with the gospel message and that we're edifying discipling those who uh, you know who are are new in the faith so that's where we began uh, some 30 what is it now, 35 years ago, 34, whatever that is. You know, I'm, what, see, I what told you I was not good in school, and math was one of the, you know, college algebra could have been the six best years of my life. Because <laughs> I just wasn't very good at it, you know. But in any event, um, that's how we started this church. And then um, I, um, I, I didn't want New Community Church to be a one-generational church. And so when I was in my late 60s, I think it was, uh, we started talking about, I'm the one who started the conversation about uh, who would replace me because I didn't want to have, uh, I wanted to be involved in that process because I've I've seen too many great churches um, Mm -hmm. that when the pastor, there was no succession plan, the pastor died and the whole thing fell apart. Mm And, you know, somehow, new guy would come in. He didn't hold the same values, and uh, you know, what was that, the Dr. J, Dr. Dr. Barnhouse in Peoria? He was a phenomenal preacher and teacher. Well, the guy that came in after him, and he had like of over thousands of people, thousand, I think, and the guy after him just wiped the church out. Mm-hmm. So you know, so I was afraid of my whole life work, not, you know. And so God, in the providence of God, and you, there, there's a whole nother story about that. I don't know if you've told them any of that, but in the providence of God, um, we were able to get Pastor Rich. Um, when, when I, we were together when we went to California, um, and we heard that this Rich Gregory, um, you know, was uh, looking for a pastorate. And so what we didn't know was there was like about another 26 churches in line looking at him. And so we went and um, had this wonderful, phenomenal conversation with him. And uh, I think I said to you or somebody, I said, you know, he's a great guy, but chances are very slim of us getting him. You know, because, I mean, here he is, he's a, he was a something, he was an executive yeah. administrator in the college. He was John MacArthur's uh, personal assistant for eleven or twelve years. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was teaching in the seminary. He had a, they, they, they gave him a five or six hundred people small church. They call that when you have you know thirteen thousand people or twelve thousand coming to your church, they have these smaller churches within that church. And he was one of the leaders of that. And, um, very articulate, very intelligent. And you know we said, well, that was a great interview. We just don't know if we'll ever get him. But we kept up with him in the middle of COVID. Mm-hmm. So we couldn't even get him to St. Louis to speak to the congregation or interact with the congregation. So the only thing we could do is Zoom call him and, and uh, you know, FaceTime and all that stuff. And that's what we did. And then one day after one of those conversations, he said, you know what? Uh, Michelle and I have been praying and uh, we think God is calling us to New Community Church. I said, great, I'll make that happen. Boom, got on the phone. He wants to come, guys. <laughs> and so we uh, we got working on that and we got him and it was, it was a great thing. Uh, he did, he was in Dallas, Texas for something, so he drove, he couldn't leave California by plane, mm-hmm. so he went to Dallas, Texas to, for something and then he came to our church and he spoke. Uh, and then they were looking around at homes and uh, they were flying back and uh kelly uh graft who's real estate said hey you know that one home you liked but it was already a contract on it um the lady said that uh, she found out you're going to be a pastor and she's born again and she would love to sell her home to a pastor (laughs) so uh so guess what happened uh greg and michelle land in L.A., get back on a plane, because the lady, the only condition the lady had is she wanted to make sure they saw the home thoroughly and everything before they bought it. So they turned right around and came back. But the good news is when they moved from L.A. to Chicago, they moved right into their new home. It was all an accident. <laughs> no. <laughs> it was the providence of God. So that's just a little bit to tell you uh, Uh, Pastor Rich and the elders are keeping up the values we started with and making them stronger I am blown away by what I see at our church the amount of people You all, for example, coming into our church and being a part of our church and more people I see new people all the time That's why there's there's a growing number of people who have no idea who I am Which is okay Uh, And their primary reason is because uh, the people who do know what I am, they still come to me with issues, and I say, "I don't know, as Pastor Rich, Pastor Rich." That's my <laughs> constant answer. <I> don't. <laughs> There's not enough toilet paper in the woman's bathroom. I don't know, as Pastor Rich. <laughs> 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 so, it's Zereo, it, he knows all that stuff. You know, all that experience. I'm sure he knows about that. So, anyways, so that's that's how things became the way they are. And I'm praising God, I'm called a pastor emeritus now. I like to, I've changed my thing, Doug, I didn't say this to you. No, I've changed, yeah, what when people say to me, uh, you know, have you retired? I say, no, I am now doing full-time ministry. And they said, what? Yeah, I said, I don't have to go to any meetings mm-hmm. whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I don't have to do any of the difficult things. Mm-hmm. I just minister directly to people. I disciple people. and." when people ask me to come and preach at their church. So I'm doing full-time ministry. He has to do sort of part-time ministry. That's the good news I'm giving you today. <laughs> so that's it. You can... Any questions for Yeah, me? if you have any... Yes, ma'am. I oh, go ahead. Yeah. Uh,
0: I keep hearing that people heard you on the radio.
1: Yes. Oh, thank you for telling me that. They hear. I'm much taller on radio. <laughs> Come and see me and they go, oh, okay. (laughs) But anyways, uh, yeah, we were on the radio for 28 years on KSIB. And a lot of people came to our church from being on the the radio program. And the only reason we stopped it is because when Rich came, we wanted him to, first of all, it was like $35,000 a year. And um, when Rich came, we just let him choose how he wanted to do that. And nowadays, it's all changing to more like podcast mm-hmm. and things of that nature. And so, you know, he he does that, and he, you know, of course, all of our our messages are uh, you can get them on live stream. I think I heard that um, Jeremiah is working to get them on YouTube, uh, which is good. You know, so you can you'll have various uh, p- platforms for which you can get the messages unlike the radio ministry but the radio ministry really mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. served and as the well part of
0: the church service? Is that what they, it, they
1: just took my messages and uh, mm-hmm. you know cut them down to 26 minutes mm-hmm. and every time they would say okay well you want to give a listen to them I said no I can't it's going to kill me yeah. uh, because they would cut out parts that I really liked mm-hmm. <laughs> And but that that was their job mm-hmm. they had to get it down you know, to whatever it was so yeah but it was fun, it was fun. A lot of people, a lot of emails. People would send me email questions all the time, so. You had a question? Yeah, I wanted to know if the minister that came on Tuesday night to your house, that first time, yeah. if he knew, knows Yes, he, he is, he is the with the Lord now, but he, okay. yes, he heard of, he knew of my our, our conver- mm-hmm. my conversion. Uh, the other thing is, and I didn't mention this, one of the elders who made that decision, I think this was about four years ago. He was here in St. Louis on a business trip, and he called me, and we had lunch together. Dave Denison uh, And uh, uh, I said, would you like to see the church? He said, oh, i love that. So he, he came to our church. He stood in the middle of our auditorium and wept. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he wept like, oh, no, what did this guy do? <laughs> 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 I kind of think he wept because he thought, this is marvelous. We made... They took a, let me tell you, they made a decision on a diamond in the rough. Mm -hmm. You know I did a lot of crazy things when I was in youth ministry. I mean I uh, was teaching the kids in high school about different religions. And so I said, you know, I'm going to do this. So what I did is I invited two Jehovah Witnesses, one of them was a teenager, to come and speak to the kids about what they believed about Christ. And then when they finished, I said, okay, kids, how are you going to defend yourself? This is what he, they believe this. And, uh, you know, a lot of them were like, oh, man, you should listen, you know, stuff like that. Only one or two of them could do a good job. And one of them that did a really good job is now a pastor in California. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you know, he explained exactly. And they didn't, they couldn't really refute what he said. The next day, I had a Catholic priest come in. Mm And then there was one other that I had in there. I had a Mormon come in. And the elders called me and said, you are inviting the enemy into the camp. What is your problem? <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't clear that with them, by the way. I, I didn't know the, you know the stuff that you do. So I did a lot of strange things with our kids. Um, and I'm surprised they didn't fire me. Uh, one time I told them we were going to play softball. And I got them, we had a big field out there, and they all came out. Said, they're choosing up teams. And then they finally said, um, where's the bat and the ball and the bases? I said, oh, do you need a bat and ball and bases to play baseball? Well, of course, you idiot. You know, I said, let me ask you this question. Do you need a Bible to study the Bible? Oh, I said, oh, sit down, grasshoppers. Let me teach you. You know. <laughs> And so that from that day on I would send them in the mail to their parents a little postcard and say, Remind your son or daughter to bring their Bible. Because I wanted them to have their Bible. So those are things that got me in trouble. But just yeah. So what was the other question? What, that was it? Uh, I was gonna ask about the radio thing too. So you've already covered it. Yeah, the radio thing. I still get I'm amazed at the impact of that. I'm really, really amazed. Uh, because I still hear people Today he said, Oh yeah, I heard of you, you know, from that. I think it had a broader impact than I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. So now Mr. Doug, who I love a lot, is he and his wonderful wife. I think she's more the wonderful than um, him. Half.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Jerry. Okay. Um, yeah. I've noticed since he stopped being an elder, which it was his decision and a wise one I think to pull away so that rich could um, have more preeminence um, I've said this to many many people I've said it I think to Jerry maybe you've never heard me say this but I think his legacy is only increasing not decreasing because of the humility he's displayed and stepping away and letting a man half his age take over Um, but Rich is just an outstanding teacher. The first meeting we had, there were five of us in the room. Rich had this massive desk, and we told the story. We went through a very difficult period during that time in our church, and um, Jerry was telling the story with tears, and uh, I saw Rich reach across, and it's the first time I saw his compassion. He reached across, and he grabbed Jerry's hand, he said, "I'm, I'm so sorry you had to endure that. And I thought to myself, all right, he's either a really good actor or this is the real deal. He's a genuine guy. And it turned out to be the latter. So, praise the Lord. Um, I was so impressed by his uh, compassion for a pastor who had endured what he had endured. And uh, so. Anyway, so much more I could say about our relationship, Jerry's and mine, uh, over the years. Um, I've so appreciated him. Again, I wouldn't be standing here before you if it weren't for Jerry. And I love that he's up there in front and taking notes. And you all have seen this firsthand, the love that Rich uh, shows to Jerry and Jerry shows to Rich. It's just It's been a healing balm in our church when we went through that difficult time to see the love that that was exchanged between these two men and uh, so we're we're so blessed Um, we did go through a vetting process I don't don't want you to think we just rubber stamp rich (laughs) we didn't Um, we went through a pretty hard vetting process we had him come here and we grilled him Uh, lots of questions and then we checked his answers with folks in uh, California uh, with their answers and they all jived and I remember the last time uh, that we um met uh, bruce and i talked with i think nathan Business who has spoken here at our church i believe Mm -hmm. and uh wrote a book called 50 reasons to believe i just got it it's really good Uh, five categories of uh, 10 reasons Mm -hmm. 50 reasons to believe Um, great for your faith but um so nathan uh he said are we done here bruce and i were talking to him and he's i said yeah i think we've gotten all the answers we need and then Nathan said, "Well, I have one more thing to say. I just want you to know that in Rich and Michelle, you guys are getting real gems. And you know, Bruce and I had already been convinced. Uh, it gives me goosebumps just to think about it because I well, I thought, yeah, I know <laughs> we want him to come." um and rich and i I mean then he got a phone and bruce and i said what are we waiting for well we had to make an offer and all that rich had to accept he took a pay cut to come here Mm -hmm. Um, he really did feel called to be here and we're grateful he was Uh, we had the privilege of having him stay in our home for a week Covid hit he couldn't do what he was supposed to do here in the church and meet people so lynn and i had him all to ourselves which was providential because he got to meet my daughter and her son and her husband. Uh, they fell in love with him, uh, um, and but they were deeply involved with another church and COVID shut them down and they took that opportunity to start coming here. So to have my daughter here with my three grandkids, uh, you know, is just so many, so many things, so many things that have gone on that have shown that God's hand was in it all. And uh, so if you get a chance to thank Jerry for his uh, humility, I. Um, I, people told us you can't do it this way. You can't let the senior pastor stay. You can't do it. Uh, he'll have his hands in everything. He'll be, he'll be controlling things. He'll be like the puppeteer. Don't do it. And our response was the same across the board. You don't know our pastor. We do. Uh, I've known him for 35 years. So you're wrong. Thanks for your input. And they were wrong. Uh, So all the experts tell you don't let the senior pastor stay get him out because this guy's got to find his own feet And uh, we said no, we're not going to do that. That was never the plan. We're not doing it. And uh, Here we are, you know, so rich has looked to Jerry on a number of occasions as a mentor We still uh, occasionally ask him things for historical perspective occasionally Uh, as I said, I've been here since he, he started the church in April the second week, that following week, I showed up. We were we were in um, Henry the Eighth Lodge or something like that. Um, it was Viking Lodge. Viking Lodge. Viking Lodge. It was a,
1: a hotel.
0: Lindbergh and Forty Four. That's all I remember. Yeah, I went there first, and then I thought I I like the way this guy preaches. I think I'm a, I was looking for a church too, so I was very excited. Um, by the way, uh, before I forget, I think i think bruce covered baptism uh did he cover baptism in his uh the ordinances or was that me i forget uh we do have a paper i think some of you got it on baptism our stand on baptism if you want it i've only got actually one left i'll have to bring more next week if you want it um and we outline why we don't do infant baptism and what what the significance of baptism is. It has nothing to do with saving anybody. It's just an act of obedience, the first real act of obedience Christ is calling you to. And as Mark Dever says, I think I've said it before, um, it's probably the easiest thing Christ will ask you to do. And as this culture gets worse and worse, we're going to be asked to do some things, take some hard stands. Um, Jerry, when he got saved took a stand and said, I can't continue to do what I'm doing, and he took a huge pay cut. I think things like that could happen more and more to believers in this culture as it gets more bad, horrible, um, moves away from Christ. Okay, uh, let's get started. I want to talk today about loving the church. We've talked about what the church is. We talked about church doctrine. Uh, We talked, Bruce talked uh, when I was out. He talked about some of the other issues of doctrine, but then moved into how to deal with sin in your own lives and how to deal with sin in the church. So it's personal sin and, and uh, church purity, uh, church discipline, we call it. It sounds so harsh, but uh, it's really just dealing with sin in the church if dealing with it in personal lives doesn't uh, work. Um, the person just keeps uh, in an unrepentant attitude, and then you have to go to a, to a church-wide setting, which we've done occasionally, uh, not often, but I would say maybe what, eight or nine times over the years of our church, which is, so we're not looking to have people be brought forward for church discipline, it's just those hard cases where somebody's just locked in, and they, they're professing believers locked in to their simple pattern. And we have to bring that for the church because the, the Lord tells us to do that. So that's that's Bruce. And then last week I talked about how we're led, uh, why we're elder rule, uh, congregation input and not congregation rule. Uh, the elders make the decisions with input from the congregation. So, And we ask that you submit to the elders as we submit to Christ. And today, uh, for the next two weeks, we're going to talk about a subject that's very, very important, and that is how to love The church which is really to say how to love each other Um, because it's it's uh, hugely important and much of what I'm going to say today is taken from this book by um, Dr. Stuart Scott who I believe is still is he's back on staff out at Grace right with John Street Mm -hmm. Um, and Stuart Scott taught my son at uh, Southern Seminary in Mm -hmm. Louisville and I had the privilege of having lunch with him. Josh called me one day and said, um, you want to have a meal with Stuart? I said, sure. How many of us will there be? He said, you, me and Stuart. And I said, yes. So I got to know him and man, what a genuine guy he is. We compared notes. We had similar situations with unsaved uh, family members and I saw him years later. He not only remembered my family member's name that we talked about that day, but he said, I've been praying for her. And I said, I don't even remember your child's name. I feel really bad about that. But that's the kind of guy he is. And he's written this book called 31 Ways to Love Each Other. There's many one another's in the Bible. We're going to go through a few of them today. Um, so if you want to get that book, it's a good way. I, use, I used to use it. I, haven't, I should get back to it. I'd go through one one another prior to small group, just deal with a, a one another and then we'll go into the sermon review. So, hi. Um, all right. So, let's get right into it. Um, let's see. Um, I'm gonna to skip too much, but loving the church. Jesus said, uh, "This is my commandment that you love one another, just as I have loved you." So it's his commandment, that's why we do it. Uh, Hopefully it's done out of a a desire of our heart, not just duty. Uh, But what does it mean to love each other? Are we talking about warm feelings, warm fuzzies, I just love you, and I don't love this guy because he just makes me feel weird. Is that what we're talking about? No. Um, We're talking about a willful, intentional decision of the mind to love someone. That's what we're talking about. And it's it's involved in serving. Um, That's what it means to love it means to serve uh, other people uh, whether you are having warm feelings about them or not Um, the Bible refers to the church as being like a body in that it functions in submission to Christ and it has parts that are dependent on each other Romans 12 all about the church body four through five says for just as we have many members in one body and all the members do not have the same function so we who are many are one body in christ and individually members one of another so like a human body every member of the church has an active role to play um and it's really important that we all play our part um it's a church uh, the body metaphor is used by paul in first corinthians He talks about the diversity and differences in the body, all designed by God. Uh, The exercise of every gift is the the way the the church works well together. So whatever your gifts are, um, you use it. And sometimes it's hard to determine what your gifts are. You just start serving in the church. This is really, really important. You just start serving, and people will start recognizing, as they did with Jerry. He just starts serving, and people like, this guy can teach. I Think God has gifted him to teach his word and that's people will come to you and affirm to you So don't worry about I don't know what my gift is. So I'm immobilized. No, no, no. You just start serving if There's a need in the nursery go serve in the nursery. If there's a need teaching the kids We do vet you uh, we we do background checks and all that We're very careful about who we let be around kids in this day and age We have to be and it's wise and we want parents to feel like okay. My kids are safe so we vet people um, uh, as I said background checks and the whole bit but if you want to serve there n- let somebody know Jeremiah myself uh, Matt Maringer is really the one you need to talk to he's over all that so just start serving uh, each member of the body is dependent on other members it's vital to the support of others also then all parts of the body have to work together for that body to uh, work healthily uh, when I was a kid I had a a lazy right eye. I might have mentioned this to you, did I? Oh, okay, and it mixes my my depth perception up terribly. You know, I'd be like, I got it, I got it. Oh, no, I don't. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> and I'd have to go get the ball, you know, or it would. I I I played football as a defensive back, and <clears throat> I couldn't judge when there was a long ball step for step with this guy and I think I'm trying to you know got my hands over him and all that and the ball ends up hitting me in the helmet boom boom you know way up in the air and of course I never heard the end of it from my fellow athletes <laughs> you could have caught it Doug I couldn't see it I didn't know where it was I just was trying to keep this guy from catching it so it was very embarrassing and in uh, I'm, now I'm going to tell you this I would I've told people this at the beginning of the class only to watch them watch my eyes but I have a lazy eye <laughs> and it's really disconcerting for people looking at me because my eye will wander and will start looking straight up now, I'm looking at you with my good eye, but my right eye is like, it's got its own, you know, its own mind. It's just doing its own thing. And it's, it, you know, I'm not looking at you, but it's going <laughs> Lynn says, you watching the fly on the ceiling again? <laughs> no, baby, is it, is it acting up? Oh, stop it, you know? So, you know, it's not working well. It affects me in many different ways. That's the same is true uh, for the church body. If, if one of us is hurting or not working well, then the body is hurting um, and and it's not functional, it's not functioning correctly. Everybody has an assigned purpose, and that purpose is to serve. It's to serve. And as members, we're asking you to serve. It wouldn't you wouldn't be a, a good, healthy member without serving somewhere. Um, you see people doing the coffee, you see people uh, doing uh, ushering. You see people on security. You see lots of volunteers in the nursery. There are places to go and to serve. You just have to do it. And you have to do it with a spirit of humility. Uh, and the best example of humility is Christ, of course. Uh, you ever been to a foot washing? Anybody ever been to a foot washing? You have. It's, it's unbelievably humbling uh, when you experience it. Somebody takes your socks off and actually washes your feet. You're like, you want to say, stop it. You know, I, should have, I, I would have taken a shower if I'd have known, you know. I don't want you to do that. And yet Jesus, the creator of the universe, stepped down, took his dirty, dirty disciples' feet and washed them. He, he just displayed humility. And that's the kind of humility we need to have. A willingness to serve others um, any way we can. Um, none of us are above it. Uh, None of us are above it. I tell this story all the time that one of the deacons, he had to step away, but he was a deacon, a high-powered businessman in Clayton, um, always dressed beautifully, and he was in the bathroom cleaning toilets. When everybody else was not there and I went in to go to the bathroom and I saw him in there and I'm like, my, my opinion of him just went through the roof, you know. Uh, nothing was above him or beneath him. He just did it. He saw the need and he did it. He cleaned the toilets. Um, and you parents have kids. You know what that's like. Not fun. Um, yeah. Uh, so the greatest dif- display of humility was Jesus, and he set aside in uh, Philippians two. He set aside his glorious position with all its privileges and comforts. Philippians two five says that we are to have the same attitude as Christ. Have this attitude in yourselves, which also was in Christ Jesus. He emptied himself. He took the form of a slave. He humbled himself and obeyed his father unto death. Uh, for God's glory and for the good of others. He came not to be served, uh, not to serve, not to be served, but to serve, according to Mark 10. So our, it's the commitment we're asking you to make is, to, is that kind of a commitment. Serve with humility. It doesn't matter if people see you or don't see you. The beauty of New community church and I think this is part of what what, uh, Rich and Michelle saw was people loving each other like that Uh, people behind the scenes doing things that nobody else saw they did it because they love Jesus and uh, uh, occasionally and I know you've done this too you just look around and you just you just love these people because of what they're doing Um, they're not doing anything for their own glory they're just doing it because there's a need and that's what we're asking of members Uh, to not church to not serve rather is to fail being a member so so I think I've made my point right humble service that's what we're asking you to do Um, and remember this this is really important your service first is to Jesus first to Jesus purify your motives I'm doing this because he saved me, he died in my place, I should go to hell, but he redirected me. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing. He loved me first, now I want to love him back by loving you all. That That's what we're asking you to do. Uh, and you'll see it as you open your eyes and get to know people, you'll hear these little things about what people do behind the scenes and it's just beautiful. Just so heartwarming. Um, there, by the way, there is a ministry um, um, code on the back of your... Go all the way to the back. Let me see if it's still there. Yeah. 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 If you uh, look at that, it'll take you to a uh, membership form and also to a ministry form. If you're interested in serving, fill out the form. Go to it, fill it out, submit it. And then uh, Sarah will get it to the proper people um, and, and pe- we will then know. It's a tool for us to know where you're interested in serving. So that's one thing you can do. Uh, at the end of this, I, I don't want to forget, I think Chris Moore is going to be coming in. If you don't have a picture in the directory, um, here's my appeal. Help an old man out. <laughs> uh, today, Lynn goes, hey, so-and-so... Um, Uh, needs this and I said could you pull her picture up I don't want to mess up and so and and her picture was there Uh, but it's frustrating for me when I say pull her picture up and there's no picture now some of it is just I don't want my picture in there you may not want your picture in there maybe you're you know you're an undercover agent you're in the witness protection program (laughs) you don't want anybody to know (laughs) or you're a mailman you don't want any any manager to know what you're doing (laughs) but but if you could, that would be really helpful. Chris is going to come in here and take it right here, and he'll upload it. He'll show you how to do it. And you'll have your picture in the directory. It's just really helpful for us. Uh, he's going to be here, I think, today. I'm not sure he understood me correctly. He'll definitely be here next week uh, to help you with that process. But if he walks through the door, then I'll know he, heard, he understood what I was saying. So. Um, and there's so many ways to serve guys so many ways um, uh, I'll give you one example and then I'm gonna get to the one others. we're a little bit short of time But uh, the one example that I that was is so paramount in my mind is when when, when COVID occurred We had an elderly couple uh, John and Carol Callan. John is now in his 80s. He was a uh, he Just turned 80. I think um, he was an elder here for 20 years Stepped away for the needs of his wife the health needs of his wife and he and Carol would make food and go find the shut-ins in our church and call them and say, hey, I've got some chicken and dumplings. You yeah, ever we'll get a chance to eat her chicken and dumplings. <laughs> I think that's heavenly food. I think that will be in heaven. And so they make that, they set it on their porch, they call them, they say, your food's out there, and they talk to them from afar. These people that were afraid, COVID was killing people initially, right? Now it's a cold, but then it was killing people. and. So there was a great fear, and, uh, and this is what they did. I, there was no program. Nobody told them to do this. They saw a need, and they fulfilled the need. And that's the beauty of this church. There's, you know, there's not every program is, is there. We can't figure out what all the needs are. Uh, but you can hear. You know, There's this single mom in the church that is really struggling. And Lynn and I heard the need. Well, all right, we'll get in all these cards. That's what we'll do. Just meet the need. Um, so, so there's lots of ways. Let me, let me get into the one another's. Uh, it's important. This first one another is the, the most obvious, um, uh, and that is um, to be together. <laughs> um, it's it, it's clear. Uh, um, this is from Hebrews 10, 24. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. The writer goes on to say in verse 25 how to do that. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. You've got to be together. You can't worship God from a fishing boat effectively in the church. You just can't do it. You've got to be here. I can't meet needs of people here. I can't give you a hug. I can't hear your plea for help. I can't pray with you unless you're here. Uh, you need to be here, and you need to hear the word of God. So that's, that's basic. Come. Uh, when we when we established the live stream, we did it during COVID, but it was with fear and trepidation that we did it. And the reason was we were afraid people would just sit in their homes, in their pajamas, and watch online. Uh, and that's not the way church is to be. Now, we had to kick a few people in the rear end because we knew they were doing that. I recently, uh, about a month and a half, two months ago, uh, talked to a guy and said, I haven't seen you in a while. Yeah, we're just watching from home. I said, no, no, graciously. No, no, that's not the way you do church. You need to be here. And he was here the next week. Uh, he just needed a little bit of prodding uh, because he was getting lazy, and that was our fear. You just need to be here. And sometimes I know. I know it's hard to come through the door sometimes, right? Life is hard. You don't even want to deal with people. You want to just go sit in the back and be quiet. You know, you know, leave, leave me alone. I get it. Um, let the people of God love you. Let them love you. You may not be in a position where you can serve others right now. It's okay. Let them love you, and eventually God will bring But come. You need to come. You need to overcome that fear and just come. So that's number one. Be here. Uh, number two, be devoted to one another in brotherly love and affection, Romans 12:10. 10. Um, it's just that's just kind of an overall arching umbrella uh, Be devoted to one another and brotherly love and attention uh, Many of us we are much closer to our church family than we are to our own family members, right? Um, it's true in our family. There are some we feel a great bond with Because of our deep spiritual connection and others we have to be surfacy because there's no spiritual connection So we get that but in the church there should be a great fellowship, a great bond uh, between us um, because uh, we're all the same. We all had to bow our knee at the foot of the cross. We're all a bunch of rotten sinners who had to bow and give our lives to Christ. That's, that's what we are. So that's our bond. That's our bond. That's how we come together. We know we're fellow. nobody's better than anybody else. Uh, we're all the same. So... Um, Yeah, be devoted to one another. The next one is be kind to one another. I have a life verse. Some of you have anybody have a life verse in here? Uh, My life verse is Ephesians 4.32. I even even, uh, put music to it. I will not sing it to you. But it's be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other as God, for Christ's sake, has already forgiven you. So there's a bunch of one another's in there. One of them is be kind to one another. One of the one of the attributes of God. One of the things I think about the most as I get older is He is so kind. Look at there. He understood. That's Chris. <laughs> He's going to take your picture. <laughs> so all right, thanks, Chris. Um, so be kind to one another. That's and and one of the guys in our church uh, who has done this for a number. Actually, of of the leaders. Just he just. He he gave me a a thumb drive and said, I've taken these photographs, uh, pick one, and I'll give you a two-foot by three-foot mantle with your verse on it. And it's now prominently displayed in my living room. Be kind one to another with a beautiful church background setting. He took two mountains, a church steeple, uh, some scattered snow, uh, yellow trees, I guess aspen trees. I don't know. It's just gorgeous. And it was so kind. So that's probably this way. Be kind to one another. Um, Romans 2, 4 says God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. In some cases, it's not the harsh hand of God. It's his kindness. You begin to realize he's so good to me and I don't deserve it. Uh, What do I need to do? Repent. All right, number four, forgive one another. Same verse, forgive one another. I think if, if we just learned how to forgive each other and the way we do that, I think the most effective way to forgive each other is to not focus on what that person's done to you, but focus on what you've done to God. Uh, get, get it in your mind that you have a, an insurmountable debt that you owe him, and he's forgiven you. Uh, Matthew 18 is a, the king, you know, the servant, the king, you know the story, read it. The king forgave him this massive debt. And then this, this servant wouldn't forgive a debt of one day's wage to another guy and had the guy thrown in jail, and the king came back and threw him in jail. Think about your own sin, and you will forgive others. Uh, if you have family issues, you have things going on where you're bitter, uh, I, I'm going to ask you not to think about the person that's hurt you. we have all in this room. Uh, we're, we're, we're two things. All of us in this room are two things. We're both victims of other people's sin against us, and victimizers we have sinned against others I don't want you to think about the fact that you're a victim I want you to think about the fact that you have violated God's standards over and over and over and over and over and over and over insurmountable debt. so so concentrate on that thank him for that and then in your heart forgive others uh, in your heart forgive them uh, that's a whole nother topic of how to do that that I can't get into now, but it's a it's a release, it's a release of a person to others, and and we're asking you to do that in this church, if people have offended you. Now you may have to go to them, Matthew 18, and say, hey, you did this, and I want you to think about what you've done, um, but you go first, getting the the big beam out of your own eye, right? Mm-hmm. All right, comfort one another. This the context of that verse is First Thessalonians 4:18. The context, the comfort one another, is in the context of of um, actually of death when someone is facing a life-threatening illness it's 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 comfort comfort one another with these words it's the end time it's it's things were bad and the apostle was talking about actually uh, when christ would take us out of here and um but it's also a comfort that you give to people who are maybe at the end of their life Uh, that's kind of the context because um, these people were suffering that Paul was writing to, so you're not comforting them with false comfort. You're not saying hey, things will be okay, uh, just you know, hey, just you know, things will be fine. But you are saying this isn't all there is. We had a lady. You remember Chrissy Humbert? Yeah. Remember her? Um, young girl, uh, 30, newly married. I think she might have had a kid. I don't remember. Maybe not. Um, got a devastating cancer diagnosis and was dying. So we did not say, uh, you know, everything's going to be okay. But what Lynn and I did was we recorded a song by David Phelps called No More Night. Uh, if you've never heard that song, write it down. David Phelps, No More Night. YouTube it, do whatever you can to hear it. It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. Uh, just phenomenal. And uh, Chrissy pr- played that over and over. We gave her a little recorder over and over and over and over. That's, that's fulfilling this verse comfort one another, and she died. But she was comforted by the fact that one day there will be no more night. It'll all be okay. Um, comfort one another. Okay, um, here's one. Bear with one another, and that's just, it's not talking about putting up with other people's sinful actions. It's talking about putting up, putting up with people who have idiosyncrasies, like you, <laughs> like me. Uh, you know, I, I'm thankful that people put up with me. Um, we all have things that rub people the wrong way. Uh, the way we talk, the way we, whatever it is, the Bible says bear with one another. Put up with it. Um, develop a thicker skin. Um, love people. Be gracious to people. After all, God has been very gracious to you. Uh, so um, bear with one another. Do not speak evil against one another. Um, uh, Jerry, I think you said this. I think you said this you're never more like the devil than when you are slandering another person because that's another name for the devil, slanderer. So don't, don't do that. Don't gossip. Gossip is telling the truth behind somebody's back. A uh, slander is telling a lie behind their back. Um, you can, you can tell the truth, but with the intent of hurting the person. Hey, did you hear so-and-so did this to his wife? It may be true, but what are you doing? You're, just gossiping you're not a part of the solution so don't do that it's so common in church it's so common and here's my suggestion to you somebody comes to you and starts gossiping about somebody else Mm -hmm. just say stop this takes courage stop why am I involved Mm -hmm. I suggest that you go to the person you're talking about do that it'll shut down the gossip because they aren't doing it because they want to do the right thing. They're doing it because they want to make people feel better about themselves, put somebody else down, gossip. So stop it in its tracks. Uh, Confess to one another. Uh, This is just simply uh, the idea of confessing sin to each other. It's not to everybody. It's it's confessing to people you have wronged. Um, Confession is uh, cleansing of the soul. Mm -hmm. We have accountability groups uh, of young men and married men both for purity, who come and the first thing they do is confession. If there's something they need to confess, then it's a right place to do it because that's what they're there for, is confess and then get advice on how to not get in that situation again. So confession, do not speak evil, confession, uh, be at peace with one another. This is kind of self-serving because the context, 1 Thessalonians 5.13, is being at peace with one another in the context of your leaders. Be at peace with your leaders. Um, we we like to think, guys, that we have an open door, that we're transparent. We are. I think all of us are. If you have an issue with with us or with the church, um, don't do the gossip thing. Especially don't do the slander thing. Uh, just come to us and ask. Hey, I, you know, what, what's this all about? You know, what are you what are you doing? And I love it when people do it. We may end up agreeing to disagree, but I love it when people do it. Um, So, all right, I've scooted through these pretty quickly, but I see Rich has already released the the folks. Uh, One more thing that I want to say to you that's been extremely helpful for Lynn and I in serving other people. I don't say this at all to, to pat ourselves on the back. I say it because it's been so good for us, and I think it'll be good for you. When we pull up to church... We usually park up there on the top. The first thing we do, we don't just hop out of the church and run in and get our stuff going. We stop and we pause. And Lynn and I both, on the way to church, uh, had some tears this morning or things that are happening. We all do, right? We all do. We ask the Lord, please. Turn us away from our own sadness right now. Because there's folks coming in with much sadder hearts than we have. Turn our attention to them. Help us to be mindful of them. That's what we're asking you to do. We do it. It's a good way to pray with your husband or wife or with your kids before you walk in. Just say, Lord, turn us us away from ourselves. Turn us toward these people who need you. So that's what we do. that, that's all I've got for you today. Is there any questions regarding yeah. this? Yeah. Question? No. Okay. Um, let's pray and we'll, let you go. Lord, thank you for this time. And again, thank you for these folks who have taken their precious time to learn more and more about this church. Um, help them as they make decisions. Uh, and thank you for Jerry and. His ministry to this church, his ministry to me personally, and the fact that you're continuing to use him, and I know until he breathes his last, that's going to be the case. So we're grateful. Thank you for all these things. Lord, help Rich in his second sermon now uh, to be clear, and uh, I pray for his cough, that it wouldn't be distracting, uh, and you would give us hearts to listen to what he's saying. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right.